Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see change lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your spiritual journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. Well, let me begin this morning this way. The question for everyone in the room and everyone joining us online. How often do you judge others? You and I judge others. We judge circumstances, situations every day, all day. What will I wear? What will I eat? That opinion is horrible. That opinion is spot on. And it goes on and on and on. Making judgments are a part of our daily life. And we live to and, and evaluate evidence before us and facts that help us, and we make a judgment on those that help us make decisions. There's another example of how you make judgments ongoingly. When you're at the grocery store, you make judgments on the fruit and vegetables that you're buying. How many of us come up, have come upon a bin of unworthy vegetables and fruits that have been judged unworthy and left there? You make another judgment when you go to checkout. You look at the cart in front of you to see how full it is. And you think that might take a while, and then you look at the cashier, and if the cashier's all chatty, then you probably move on because it's going to take way too long, in your estimation, if I get in that line. And so you've made a judgment based upon that evidence and those facts before you. Well, the Bible has some things to say about judgment, and I just want to quickly summarize it for us in this way. In Matthew chapter 7, in verses 1 through 2, it says, the, and the Bible says, it is a sin to judge other people's motives. We should examine ourselves first, is what the Scripture says. Then in verses 3 and 5, it says, the Bible says, Christians are to judge other Christians' sinful actions. So hopefully that helps guide you when it comes to judging others. Uh, I just kind of nutshelled it for you, and now moving on, you have that information. The judgment we're going to be uh, talking and reading about today is something totally different. It's a judgment pronounced by a holy and sovereign God who created everything, and he will judge it, and he alone retains the right to judge both motives and actions. And it's truly a sad and sobering circumstance for human existence. This judgment reveals that like heaven, hell is a real place. There is no jury. There is no defense. No pleas or arguments to be made. And here's the main point for you and I. Hell and heaven are real places. And we will spend eternity in one or the other. The white throne judgment is not the place you or I or anyone else, for this matter, wants to be at the end of days. It's not the place we want to be. So let me give you a timeline of how this unfolds. The white throne judgment, also called the judgment of the dead, occurs just after the end of the kingdom reign of Christ, a thousand years. When Satan had been released for a brief time, Satan went and gathered 
the rebel forces, his rebel forces together, and he battled God and his saints, but he lost. And he was cast with them into the lake of fire. That's in the scripture just before what we're talking about. This judgment is the last action before what is called the eternal state. It is when the new heaven and the new earth have been created and the new Jerusalem comes down to earth. Believers are given new bodies. There is no more day or night. There is no more tears. There is no more crying or pain. There is no more curse. It is eternity with God forever. So let's read the scene together, the whole thing, and then we'll come back and look at what's really happening in these few verses. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name is not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So Scripture reminds us this in Hebrews. All right, this is Peter versus Clicker. Take two, if you are here last time. Just as a man is appointed to die once, and after that, face judgment. So the Scripture is really clear about where we're going to be heading and what will be happening to us, but there are several nuances, and that's what we're talking about this morning. So let's break down some of this together. John is going to describe to us in detail the final judgment of humankind in four verses. In chapter 4, John saw a door to heaven standing open. Later in chapter 11, he saw the temple in heaven standing open. And now he describes what seems like all of heaven has been open and revealed. Now, if you remember last time I was with you, I talked about the numbers were important in Revelation. Seven being the number of completeness, three being the number of divinity. So I'm going to give you, here's the three. We have door, temple, and heaven. It sounds very progressive, doesn't it? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. That's the beginning. Then in the temple, we have read many a scripture of people worshiping God in the temple, and then heaven, which should be our destination. Anybody not want to go to heaven? Chickens. Okay. Sorry. I repent about that. In verse 11, he says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, the earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. We're not plainly told who is on the throne. He's simply referred to as him that sat on it. 
from my study, it's Christ uh, that's sitting on that seat. Christ is the judge of the living at the judgment seat of Christ. That is the judgment that you and I really want to be at. It's the room we want to be in. The judgment seat of Christ is for believers. He's also the judge of the spiritually dead at the white throne judgment. Now, I want to share with you from Daniel because, again, remember I said that Revelation is tied to the Old Testament prophecy. So let me read from Daniel uh, for us. It's not on the screen or, or anywhere. Uh, it's in uh, Daniel 7, verses 9 through 10. Daniel says, As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow, the hair on his head as white as wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and his wheels were ablaze. A river of fire flowing coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. Now, in the Old Testament, Ancient of Days refers typically to the Father, to Yahweh, the great I Am. But I'm sitting here saying to you that I believe it is Jesus. And why do I say it's Jesus? Well, here we go. Let me share some scripture with you. In John 5, he writes this, Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. Some more scripture that points to Christ Jesus on the throne. Peter told those at uh, Cornelius' house that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead in Acts 10, that he being Jesus. Paul writes to Timothy concerning this, saying, The Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead? In Acts 17, 31, uh, he, Luke predicts the coming time of judgment, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. But this man he's speaking of is Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. So I believe that Jesus is sitting on the throne ready to pass judgment. The throne is to his power, the white to his purity, and the judgment to his sovereignty. In verse 12, there's more. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were open. Thousands upon thousands of years before this point, Daniel sees the same thing and tells us about what is going to happen. And here we are now reading again the prophecy of the end of days. And the books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. There is a moment of tension here as the books are opened. It's a sobering thought to ponder that in God's sight, nothing is forgotten. All will give an account of their actions who are the dead. Earlier in the chapter in verse 5, John has mentioned the rest of the dead who are not resurrected till the thousand years are completed. 
The judgment will consist of persons from every tribe and religion standing before Jesus Christ. Nothing goes unseen in God's economy. The books were open. You would, uh, you would probably cringe a little bit if I called out your name and I opened up a book and I began to read. I would be. <laughs> the books have been opened. See, too often we think that, no, whatever I'm doing, whatever sin that I'm holding on to, whatever I'm catching, is, is unseen, but God sees it all. He sees the fact that you will, you will abuse illicit drugs and prescription drugs. He sees the fact that you're holding on to your unforgiveness and your hate. All of these things that he sees, your pornography addiction, he sees all the things that you are holding on to that are sinful by his word, and it is not going unseen. Because there is a book. A just and holy God knows everything. Americans will be standing there. Canadians will be standing there. Koreans, Europeans, Buddhists, Muslims, Catholics, and yes, some Nazarenes will be standing there. Got an illustration as I was thinking through this. It's an old one. Uh, it's from Max Licato, a book called Gentle Thunder that he wrote. And I was working on this message, just kind of came to mind, and you may have heard it, but if you haven't, let me share it with you. It starts this way. Some time ago, I came upon a fellow on a trip who was carrying a Bible. Are you a believer, I asked him. Yes, he said excitedly. I've learned you can't be too careful. Virgin birth, I asked. I accept it deity of Jesus? No doubt. Death of Christ on the cross. He died for all people. Could it be that I was face to face with a Christian? Perhaps, but nonetheless, I continued my checklist. Status of man. Sinner in need of grace. Definition of grace. God doing for man what man can't do. Return of Christ, imminent. Bible, inspired, he said. The church, the body of Christ. I started getting excited, conservative or liberal. He was getting interested too, conservative. My heart began to beat faster. Heritage, Southern Congregationalist, Holy Son of God, Dispensationalist, Triune Convention. That was mine. Branch, premillennial, post-trib, non-charismatic, King James, one cup communion. My eyes misted. I had only one other question. Is your pulpit wooden or fiberglass? Fiberglass, he responded. I withdrew my hand and stiffened my neck. Heretic. I said as I walked away. No one will get away with not standing before Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ. Every man, woman, and child will stand before that moment in the great wine throne, throne as an unbeliever. That's what this judgment is about. But there's more. In verse 13, the sea gave up the dead that were in it, 
and, the de and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what they had done. The sea will yield up the bodies of those who have been buried in it. The graves represented by death will open and will deliver up the bodies of all the unsaved who have been buried. Hades will give up the souls of all who died in unbelief. The bodies and souls will be reunited to stand before the judge. The dead will be judged according to what they have done. The principle of judgment on the basis of works is taught in Psalm 62, Jeremiah 17, Romans 2, 1 Peter 1, to list a few scriptures. And I'll share them with you. In Psalm 62, 12, it says, And with you, Lord, is unfailing love, and you reward everyone according to what they have done. In Jeremiah 17, 10, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. Romans 2, 6, God will repay each person according to what they have done. In 1 Peter 1, verse 17, since you call on a father who judges each person's works impartially, live out your time as a foreigner here in reverent fear. See, I liken this. We've talked a little bit we, about works righteousness. And I don't want to get the two confused. The, the idea of works righteousness is that I will do good deeds so that I can get into heaven. And there's no way for you to get into heaven doing good deeds because the Bible tells us that the way that you come into eternity is through your belief and consecration of your life to Jesus Christ as Lord with belief in that he is the Lord of all things and he has shed his blood for you and therefore you have been redeemed and now you are a believer in Christ Jesus and that brings you into eternity. So you can't work your way in. This other side works by faith because of transformation is the work that happens in your life because of that salvation and how it builds up the renown and glory of Christ Jesus. I liken it this way. Works righteousness is trying to pour into yourself. Works by faith is like pouring out into everyone else. The dead will be judged according to what they have done. Those who refuse to believe in Christ must bear the penalty of their sin and will be cast into a lake of fire. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, Romans 6, 23. Hell like heaven is a real place. I want to share a story with you from the Bible. It's not going to be on the screen. It's in Luke chapter 16, and it is about a rich man and a, a beggar by the name of Lazarus. Let me share the story with you. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. Anyone? At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. 
The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in Hades, where he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. Did, did you hear that? Even in the midst of this rich man's agony in Hades, he's trying to manipulate Abraham to have Lazarus, Lazarus come and serve him. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you is a great chasm that has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family. For I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone raise, rises from the dead. What would it take for you to repent? Someone to raise up from the dead? That's happened. There is no board of appeals. Once we appear before Christ, our character and eternal destinations are fixed. Verse 14, Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, and the lake of fire is the second death. Death and Hades refer to the complete person, spirit, soul, and body being relegated to the lake of fire, and Scripture calls it the second death. It is eternal conscious torment from which believers are delivered. See, this isn't one of those down messages. Believers are delivered. Eternal conscious torment. The second death. In verse 15, anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. The deciding factor at this judgment is whether one's name is written in the book of life. And actually, if a person's name has been written in the book of life, he or she has already been part of the first resurrection. 
So this verse or verses apply only to those who stand before the great white throne. Jesus is victorious over death, the last enemy that will be destroyed. If you're taking notes, 1 Corinthians 15, Corinthians 15, verse 26. And Hades, the intermediate state between death and resurrection, will end. It says that if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, they are cast into hell, the lake of fire, along with all who reject the grace of God. All judgment has been committed to Jesus Christ because he knows us perfectly and is just and holy and honest and trustworthy. Those who place their faith in him will never be disappointed. Rather, their names are permanently written in the Lamb's book of life. Those who depend on their own efforts to reach heaven will instead find themselves in a lake of fire, eternally separated from God. You may have been planning on heaven, but you woke up in hell. The events described here for us in these few verses remind us that God is not only loving and merciful, he is also holy, pure, and righteous, and every single sin of every size and type must be judged and punished, either through the sacrifice and blood of Jesus Christ or in eternity in hell. You're probably thinking, I'm so glad I came today. It's just, it's just so warm. And I began by telling you that hell and heaven are real places, and we will spend eternity in one of them. The white throne judgment is not the place that you or I or anyone else wants to be at the end of days. We are saved if we have trusted in the blood of Jesus Christ. But our actions and motives will be judged, and our rewards determined by a God who sees everything and knows our motives. See, if you're here today and you have been on the fence in your faith, if you've wondered about Jesus, if you are unsure, if you died tonight, where would you go? If you do not know the answer to that, then today is the day that you need to think about and make a decision for Jesus Christ. You see, you don't want to be in this judgment. You want to be in the judgment seat of the believers is where you want to end up. And so if you're not sure today, then it's time to make a decision to bring Christ fully into your life, to understand his redeeming shed blood for you, you don't have to do it alone. It's a time where you confess your sins and repent of them and you turn your life toward Jesus Christ and now you begin to have motives and work based upon your transformation. So I'm here. Pastor Andy's here. Pastor Stephen is here. Pastor Ryan is here and Taylor. And, and maybe it's a friend sitting next to you, but today is a day of decision that if you don't decide today, then this could be your future because it is coming. It might feel like a slow train, but the slow train still comes into the station. That's how critical it is. 
that when the books are open, you want to hear your name in the Lamb's book of life because eternity rests on it. Let me pray for us this morning. Father, I thank you that you are trustworthy and loving and merciful and just and right. And Father, I pray for all of us today that we are no longer in the middle ground, that we make a decision to completely follow you, that we become not only hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Father, I just pray that your spirit would envelop us, that we would feel your conviction, that your power, your strength to continue to move in us, to, to grow us, to build up in us, to, to, to lean more to you and your love and what you've done and see that in Scripture you have laid it out for us. The circumstances, the evidence is before us to make a decision for you. Father, I pray today that that is what all of us do. Whether that's recommitting to you of a lifelong journey we've had or finally fully coming into a relationship with you today. I pray all of that in Jesus' name. Friends, there is always hope and it's in the Bible. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure you subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected to all things the Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend, because changed lives change lives.